Welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. In this podcast, we take a reading from Scripture each day. We look at the background material to that passage and also application for us. Once again, welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Illuminated Word. My name is Devin Morris. Today our passage comes from the book of Acts, chapter 12, verses 1 through 12. We'll read our text, we'll give some background, some commentary to the text, and then make some contemporary application. So let's read first. I'll be reading from the ESV. About that time, Herod, the king, laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread. And when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Now when Herod was about to bring him out, on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. And behold, An angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, Get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, Dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. He did not know that what was being done by the angel was real, but he thought he was seeing a vision. When they had passed the first and the second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them of its own accord, and they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel left him. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I'm sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. When he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. We have kind of, it's kind of two stories in one here. One, you kind of get the background as to what's going on um, with Christians. I don't know if that's a good way to put it. Uh, What what I like about the book of Acts is it kind of gives you these stories, and then every once in a while it's going to pop off here to the side, and it's going to kind of give you the current state of uh, the the early Christians, Uh, maybe one of the more famous Instances of this is right after Peter's sermon in chapter 2, starting in like verse 42 or something like that. It says, And then the people were meeting together to uh, instruct one another in the doctrines of the apostles. Uh, They're giving themselves to prayer, devoting themselves to the breaking of the the bread. You know, you get these updates. Hey, this is the current state of things with with Christians, um, the early Christians. And, and this is what's happening here at the beginning of chapter 12. It's kind of shot to the side, and it's actually tied into the next story uh, pretty tightly. But you see that Herod has now begun being violent towards people in the church. This is no longer um, just the Jews. So, right, in, in Acts 7, you get the Jews acting out against Stephen uh, and stoning him to death. He's, you know, clearly in violation of Jewish law. Well, Herod the king, this is King Agrippa, he was one of the very few Herods that um, the Jewish people actually 
could endure. <laughs> like might be using too strong of a word. This is Herod the Great's grandson, by the way. Um, so it, it was very difficult, very tenuous relationship between um, those who were acting as king and kind of these go-betweens between um, the Romans and the Jews. And so this is one of the few Herods that the Jews seem to have spoken positively about. And how one of the ways that he was incurring favor was kind of jumping on board with the things that they were passionate about and seeing them through. In one of these cases is uh, the killing of Christians. And so Herod gets the chance and takes James, beheads him, which would have followed along with what we read later on in the Mishnah, which you know you can't read back too much, but in the Mishnah, about 200 years later, they say that this beheading is appropriate for people who are um, blasphemous and, and, and you know detractors of the law and things like that. So the fact that Herod kills him with a beheading, with the sword, might be that he's trying to even further display, hey, I'm, I'm even uh, punishing people in the way that, that you want it done according to your tradition. And verse 3, you know, he sees that it pleases him, so he's going to get the next guy. Uh, and you, you can see he's going after leaders of the church. Right, so James and now Peter, and he takes Peter during the the unleavened bread festival, and is going to hold them till the end of the festival, bring him out, and then kill him. So he imprisons him. He makes sure he's safely guarded. Four squads of soldiers. He's got two guys on the doors, and then two guys chained to either side of Peter. You know, he's he's really precautious. He and, and maybe this has something to do with he knows that you know there's some funky business going on here, right? Uh, he's been around. He he's heard of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He knows these things. These Christians are capable of some really wild things. So he's going to do everything he can to make sure Peter stays where Peter needs to be. So the very night before Herod's going to bring him out, uh, he is uh, approached uh, by an angel in the middle of the night. The angel uh, strikes him, which you know is is a kind of a it is like a hit. It's not like a nudge. It like strikes Peter on the side and wakes him up. Get up quickly. Get dressed. Sandals, belt, coat, and he follows him. I think it's what's um, Eckhard, who wrote a commentary on the Book of Acts, came out a couple years ago. What he mentions here is, you know, everything to do with Peter is put in a passive. Uh, he's really wanting you to make sure, hey, it's not because of Peter these things are being done. Uh, this is God acting, and. And maybe to even reinforce that idea, it's after Peter is struck and he's following this angel. The angel says, hey, get behind me and follow me. He still thinks it's a vision, for one. He doesn't even think this is reality. So he's simply going by what he's told. He does follow the angel. He doesn't try to jump out in front, run out. He is following the angel as he's told. Uh, it's all very passive. It is all Peter responding to God. Um as they get out, they get to the street, they get around the corner, all of a sudden the angel's gone. Uh, and Peter says, I'm sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod. Um, you know, Peter does call Jesus Lord several times. Luke is going to refer to Jesus as Lord in his Gospels as well as in uh, the book of Acts here. So whether this is God the Father or God the Son, whoever Peter is attributing this to, doesn't really matter. Maybe the ambiguity there is intentional. It, it's the triune God, the triune Lord has sent his angel. 
as Peter understands God now because of his interactions with with Jesus and um, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that allows him to know that sort of thing. And Peter said, hey, this has been done and nobody was expecting it. So when you jump back to the beginning and you see that the other disciples were praying, it clearly, I mean, it, it may have been that they were earnestly praying but didn't really expect Peter to be released. They may have actually just been expecting um, like a lighter sentence, maybe that Peter won't be killed, maybe that if anything, you know, Peter's going to be able to endure the torture and the questioning, whatever King Agrippa brings to him. Um, whatever it's it's about, the prayers must have been centered around that and not necessarily Peter's going to escape. God let Peter escape. That must have not been the prayer. Peter says here, hey, this, this thing's happened this thing has happened that nobody was expecting. And realizing this, he goes to the house of Mary. Mary is too general of a name to, to know who, what Mary it was. But this Mary had a son whose name was John, who some people also called Mark. That's important because in the very you know, next account, subsequent account here in chapter 12, you're going to get this uh, beginning um, uh, missionary stories and uh, pretty early on, you're going to get a man by the name of John Mark who wants to come along, um, Barnabas at the at the word of Barnabas. So that's that's important. You know, he's kind of introducing this character because he's going to um, pop up again. So some really interesting things to to maybe think about and dwell on. One is it's it's funny that this may have not been what people are expecting and may have not even been in their prayers, but God responds to the prayers in ways that uh, no one else expected, and it wasn't even really a direct answer to a prayer. Um, Now, that's all somewhat conjecture, what they were praying, how God's responding to the prayer. Um, What may be the the bigger theological point to to see here is, you know, if if God intends to use you, you know, Peter's going to become, has already been a big character. You know, Acts chapter 10 was a big turning moment where the inclusion of the Gentiles comes because of Peter's visions. But it it just kind of goes to show when when God's not done using you, he's not going to allow something bad to happen to you. And um, that that protection, that guidance, that provision, um, we don't see any worry, any anxiety from Peter in prison. It's just this, hey, I'm along from the ride. God's going to be doing whatever God wants to do, and I'm just going to um, roll with the punches, so to say. And that's why you get this passivity from him once the angel arrives. It's the angel doing everything, telling him what to do, leading him out, getting him to a safe place before disappearing. It's all God working. Now, not because of the goodness of Peter, not even really necessarily because of the prayers of the Jewish people, even though of the disciples, even though I'm sure that was an important part as well. But what's important here is when God has the desire, it can happen no matter what. And, and that's a beautiful thing to take comfort in. I hope you're looking for ways to love and serve your neighbor in genuine and sincere ways. Peace and love.